Well, we give a warm welcome to all gathered together this evening, both here in the church and also those who are gathering with us at home. We're going to begin our worship of God by singing to his praise in Psalm 61, page 293 in the psalmody. Psalm 61, and we're going to sing from verse 4 to the end of the psalm. But I'd like us to read from the beginning of the psalm. O God, give ear unto my cry, and to my prayer attend. From the utmost corner of the land my cry to thee I'll send. What time my heart is overwhelmed and in perplexity, do thou me lead unto the rock that higher is than I. For thou hast for my refuge been a shelter by thy power, and for defence against my foes thou hast been a strong tower. And we're going to sing on from the end, from the psalm, verse 4. Within thy tabernacle, am I right? Have I made a mistake? 61 verse 48. We will not sing psalms as traditional. Sorry, apologies for that. Do you want us just to switch to the sing psalms? Right, okay, we'll, we'll go to the sing psalms version. and verse 4 O let me dwell within your tent forever there to live sorry Ian Amen. Mm-hmm. 
Shall we come before God in prayer? Let us pray. O Lord, we pray that thou wouldst have an influence upon us to the extent that we would be found in the Spirit on the Lord's day in the courts of thine own house, calling upon thee, the living and the true God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath given unto us an abundant hope and an assurance that if we put our trust in thee, we have nothing to be afraid of. Thou art our God, besides whom there is none else. Thou art God, a very God, triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore we pray that thou wouldst give us the spirit of humility and contrition of heart, so that in our worship of thee we would confess from the very depth of our being that in thee alone we live and move and have our being, and that without thee we would have nothing. O Lord, thou hast delivered us. Thou hast set us free from the bondage and the corruption of sin. Thou dost know our hearts, each and every one. And we do thank thee, O Lord, that thou didst not leave us in that place of desolation and unbelief and corruptness. But in thy love and in thy mercy thou didst stretch forth thine hand to thy people. Thou didst draw thy people with the cords of thy love. Thou hast set them upon a road that leads unto life everlasting. And thou hast given that assurance that all our hope and all our confidence is in thee. But Lord, we pray that we be presumptuous in nothing that we would not take praise unto ourselves, but that rather we would acknowledge that Christ is our all and in all. And we do thank Thee that He has given to us that life in all its abundance. But we pray too that Thou would help us to forsake all that is an offence unto Thee in our lives. Thou dost know our hearts, Thou dost know our thoughts. Thou dost know our waywardnesses, and we pray that Thou wouldst help us to overcome every sin and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Help us to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and who is now set down at the right hand of the Father, interceding on behalf of His people. What a privilege it is, O Lord, that we have that assurance from thy word. Even although it is to our shame that so often we do not exercise the faith of the gift of faith that thou hast given to us as we should. We know, O Lord, that we may take thy praise upon our lips. And yet our hearts can be so far from thee, so distant from thee. We pray that the word and the testimony that thou hast borne to our souls already this day would be a blessing to each and to every one of us. We remember those, O Lord, who know thee not, those who are indifferent to the claims of the gospel upon them, those who are indifferent to the very word itself, the word made flesh and that dwelt among us. 
O Lord, we pray that their carelessness and their indifference would be overtaken by the power of thy word, reaching out toward them, calling them out of their darkness. This is a great miracle. And we do thank thee that this miracle constantly goes on throughout the world, that souls are being brought out of darkness into thy marvellous light. And to this end we pray that thou wouldst bless the ministry of thy word wherever it has gone forth this day throughout all the ends of the earth. We pray that it might be to the ingathering of many souls and that even those souls that are trying to fight against thy word and its testimony upon them, we pray that they would submit humbly and meekly and call as one another, one other person said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We pray thy blessing upon our congregation here and all the families that we represent. We pray for those who are in the building here and those who are at home, some who are recovering from illnesses, some because of old age and infirmity are not able to have the privilege that we have. And yet, O Lord, thou dost not withhold any good thing from them. And we pray that thou wouldst open unto them the word of life in all its assurances unto their souls. May they be satisfied and satiated with the love of Christ wherever they are. Be near unto those, O Lord, who are going through difficult times and trials and tribulations. We pray for our rising generation, for our young folks, we pray for them in all the difficulties that they are confronted with in a world that is so of course. We pray that thou wouldst give them guidance and direction and help them, O Lord, to sustain that gift of faith that thou hast given to some of them. And we pray that to those of our loved ones who may still yet be outside of Jesus, that thou wouldst bring them and show to them the way the truth and the life. So Lord, we would ask of thee to continue with us at this time. Lean up, help us to lean upon thee and to believe that thou art our God. And all we ask is in his name. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter 3 Ecclesiastes and chapter 3 reading verses 1 to 15 for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. 
A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to be good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his, all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatsoever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him that that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. And so on, and may God bless to us that reading of his word, and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 119, again in the traditional verse in, Psalm 119, verse 34 to 40, and it's from the traditional verse Give understanding unto me, so keep thy law shall I. Even with my whole heart I shall observe it carefully. And thy law's paths make me to go, for I delight therein. My heart unto thy testimonies, and not to greed incline. And so on to the end of the section, Psalm 119 at verse 34. Give understanding unto me.
Our New Testament reading is taken from the Epistle to the Hebrews and chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 reading from the beginning of the chapter. Therefore we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message, message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. By God also bore witness by signs and wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. For it was not the, to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who, for a while, while he was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies, and to those who are sanctified, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell you, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the name things that through death he might destroy the one who is the power of death, that is, the devil and delivered all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen. And may God bless to us that further reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. 
Now we're going to sing in the words of Psalm 74 in the traditional version of the psalm Psalm 74 and singing from verse 12 For certainly God is my King even from the times of old working in midst of all the earth salvation manifold the sea sorry am I reading the wrong place oh, yes I am sorry it's from verse 19 my apologies unto the multitude do not thy turtle's soul deliver the congregation of the poor do not forget forever unto thy covenant have respect for earth's dark places be full of the habitation of horrid cruelty and so on to the end of the psalm at verse 19 unto the multitude
Just before we turn to God's word, let us have a word of prayer. Thou hast set before us, O Lord, the word of life. And we pray that we would not be found wanting in it, and that we would not use it for means that are unfaithful or ungodly, we pray that thou wouldst help us to lay it up in our hearts and to practice it in our lives. And this is the plea we have, the plea that we have for our own hearts and souls, but not only just for ourselves, for our day and generation, for our communities, for our nations, and for all the nations of the world. We pray that that word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, would be a blessing to each and to every one, and that all of us would take heed to it, and that we would listen to it, and that we would benefit from it, and that those who are in Christ would be built up in their most holy faith. Continue with us then. And take away all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. I'd like us to turn for a little time, seeking the Lord's help, to the words that we read in Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It was declared at the first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. The writer to the epistle here is obviously making reference to his introduction to this particular epistle that is in the first chapter and how he lays out that introduction which really guides us and gives us direction for the whole of the rest of the epistle. And of course, with this writer, the emphasis is centering upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, who dwelt among us. And as John says, we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But one of the things that seems to be the great concern of the writer to this epistle is that those who have heard have not listened, or at least they haven't listened to the fulfillment of the well-being of their hearts and souls. Remember Jesus when he introduced that great testimony of the parable of the sower and how on that occasion he drew attention to us about the purpose of the parable itself yes it was to instruct but as he says 
from time to time throughout his parables let those hear let them hear and let us take great heed for the writer to the epistle here is concerned as I've suggested already is that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard it's a very interesting statement to make considering that all of us here have sat under the ministry of God's word for many years for many years we may have sat under the ministry of the word to no effect at least that's what it might have appeared to to all and sundry and maybe even to ourselves we maybe for many years didn't listen to it but we did heed it and it's interesting how much the word of God can settle into the maybe the back end of our minds to such an extent that it's crowded out because of the things of this world again taking the analogy of the sower each and every one of us I'm sure are conversant with all those parts to which the word was sown stony ground amongst the weeds and the cares of this world but what we are thankful for surely is that one day under the influence of the spirit of God that word came to us in a way that it never came to us before how many of us could give testimony to that having listened unto the word before we were converted maybe many times we were knocked aside a little bit because of the preaching of the word and many a time we just walked out and just ignored it and in a sense I suppose the writer to this epistle is trying to pick up on those kinds of people who have heard the word of God but have not heeded it they are amongst those of whom Jesus said take heed take heed how you shall hear because after all it is an assault on the very character and the nature of Christ the very being of Christ the very divinity of Christ if we don't take heed or if we are careless in our, interest, in our listening to the word of God if we are careless with its application upon us is that not what the writer is here saying I'm reading for the authorised version here therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard speaking to many people down through the years who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and who have sat under maybe different ministries and some would have attracted them more than others might have done but there came a point when it wasn't so much the ministry as such but more the word itself it came as a testimony to our hearts and souls shaking us to the very foundations of our being and what the writer here is saying that we must take heed to these things and you know not to ignore them not to forget them 
but to carefully listen, earnestly listen to the things that we have heard. What things? When you think of the Word of God and the many times that you have heard it either through preaching or the many times you have heard it even from listening to yourself reading the Word of God in the quiet of your own home and your own worship how many times have you sat under that Word and how many times would you have to say to your shame <coughs> that it really meant very little to me now it is a good thing when the word of Christ dwells amongst us as John would say but woe betide any one of us if we do not exercise faith in what we have heard because if we let them slip as the writer suggests to us here if we let these things slip what could the end be what could the result be? The, result, the, the writer here is writing to a group of people. They are Jewish by tradition. And there is no doubt that they have an interest in the things of the gospel. There is no doubt that maybe many of them have come to faith in the gospel. But many of them have not. But the writer is appealing to what they know. And they certainly knew a lot. They're like many of us here in our younger days. If we had the privilege of being brought up in a home where the word of God was spoken, read, and maybe thought upon in worship. Having had that privilege of being brought up maybe in a Christian home, and over many years have we have heard and learnt many a thing. But then... What profit? What profit is that word to any one of us if we don't take it seriously? If we don't lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives? Because if we let the word of God slip out, then pardon the expression that in your experience and mine, all hell could be let loose. Because if we are not steeped in the word of God, if we are not given over to the word of God, there is one thing sure, as we have heard many a time, that something else will fill that space in our minds and in our hearts, which will be a very great contradiction of the word of God itself. You let the word of God slip as far as your love for it is concerned. And what will happen? We will find ourselves very far distant from the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer here is talking about what happened in the past. What about the angels and the prophets of the old? And how they spoke the word and how many who heard it entertained it yes to the well-being of their souls but as the writer says here with a very solemn sound a very grievous sound I think how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation you and I who have 
embraced Christ freely offered in the gospel and that embracing was certainly not of our own doing because we know from our own history that for a long time we sought to deny the influence of the word of God upon us but once we came under the activity of the spirit of God to embrace that word salvation was ours now you and I know fine that that salvation is not something to be played with we don't play around with the salvation that we have received freely from Christ and one thing we must not do is ignore it it always makes me think of the woman of Samaria who given her situation her practice and her activities in life and when she was confronted by Christ and when he opened her heart so to speak with the word of eternal life through what Jesus said to her with regard to the word of truth what was it that the woman said what was her profession what was her assurance having been brought into a living and a lively relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ come see a man that told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ every time I think of that statement that she is making there I think I wonder how many of us or if I myself have ever really contemplated all that has been brought to my heart and to my soul through the word of life Jesus spoke to her so sincerely so openly so much so she could deny nothing and to make that kind of fashion he showed me all things that ever I did I don't know if he's done that to all of us maybe he has but I think that there are many things in your life and mine that we know must have been of a sinful nature and offence to Christ but maybe we weren't aware of it how true that is if we as the writer puts it here neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him there is nothing worse than a soul that has been brought to life in Christ Jesus starving itself of the blessings of the word Jesus said to the woman whosoever drinks of this water that's the world whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again if her life or daily activity is all based upon the things of this world and not upon those things that are spiritual then we will become almost unbelieving 
that whosoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Remember what it was said by those soldiers who were taken, taking Christ to be brought before the council. And the thing is, they never did it. They didn't do what they were asked to do. Why? What was their excuse? Why did they not take Jesus back to the Sanhedrin to be questioned by these priests and so on? Those Pharisees who hated him. Why didn't they? Why? Because here's the rub for all of us. And here is what we have to be able to say ourselves, individually and collectively. No man ever spoke like this man. And I often think to myself, how far did the, pe- did the word of Christ penetrate into their hearts, so much so that this would be their testimony? I'm not saying it was a testimony of faith, but it was a testimony to this extent at very least. That what they heard from the lips of Christ, the word made flesh that dwelt among us, what they heard from him had such an effect that they would find themselves being disobedient to the command given to them by those who were their overseers, so to speak. They weren't afraid to expound this about Jesus No one ever spoke like this man. And when Jesus is using the parables as a means of communication, the parable of the sower, what is he highlighting to those who are hearing, if we are hearing, or if we are listening, if we are responding? He knows exactly, he knows exactly where we are at this evening in terms of Jesus and his word. The writer to the Hebrews here and throughout the whole of this epistle is drawing attention to this great important fact that if we hear, we have to listen and we have to act. If the word, yes, spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. What excuse of you and I with regard to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ upon our hearts and upon our souls? The Pharisee expresses a position of what he would classify as of divine importance. He would say to himself, I thank God that I'm not like other men are. Maybe that's the stance that you and I can sometimes portray in our walk and conversation as believers in this world. We might look judgmentally, but how dare we look judgmentally upon everybody else without, as it were, looking at ourselves. Oh, the moat in somebody else's eye. 
is much worse in our attestation than the beam in our own. And I think it is quite a, a thing when Jesus reminds us and tells us that we are an offence to him. The Pharisees were an offence to Jesus. Of that there is no doubt. But are we an offence to Christ? Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. When the publican and the sinner went up into the temple, the publican said, I thank God I'm not like other men. And casting his eye, how far ever it was, within the temple to this poor sinner who walked into the temple and beat upon his breast and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee couldn't hear what he was saying because it meant nothing to him. Because he didn't believe that he was a sinner at least not after this man's type. Now whatever that man, this publican was, and yes, maybe he was a sinner in the real sense of the word, but what right had the Pharisee to judge him when he himself had not taken or embraced the word? If the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, who judges who? Who dare judge anybody else given the fact that we need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, where am I in relation to the outpouring of the word of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I neglect the salvation, what does, it do, what does it do to me? If I neglect the word of God, that word that is so precious, as John says in chapter 1 of his gospel, what does that say to me? How far away am I from the Lord Jesus Christ if all I can think about is considering my own self-assured spiritual well-being. The writer to the epistle is not in any way holding back, not one word, because he is calling upon us, I think, to exercise an obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ second to none and that we should be working at it constantly after all is it not to our shame if knowing and this is in many respects the crux of it if knowing that Christ did not leave us in the waste howling wilderness and that he did not give us over to the mind of the reprobate, 
If we know that, then what happens if we neglect the salvation and the redemption that he has purchased for us and accomplished for us? How shall we escape? To whom is that specific word addressed? How shall we escape? Well, we certainly, those of us who are believers, and if we neglect the word and the testimony in our own hearts and souls, we are certainly not going to escape the just judgment of God and the condemnation that is our deserving. How many times did God say to the children of Israel, if you do this, I will do such and such. Numerous times he said it to them. And numerous times what did they do? They rebelled. Yes, we know how easy it is to feel guilty. And we know what guilt in the life of the believer can do. It can pull us down to such an extent that we would find ourselves very far from Christ. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? We cannot escape the all-seeing eye of God. The only thing that you and I can do is find ourselves being obedient to his word. Listen to what he says in verse 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? That's taken from Ecclesiastes. What is man? That God is mindful of us. Well I think. From what the writer is saying here. Man means everything to God. In his redemptive state. And God is not willing that any one of us should perish. Or fall short of the glory of Christ. We know that we cannot escape. God's just punishment or condemnation if we continue to live according to our own particular abilities. What is man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I am quite convinced in my own mind that if there is anything that concerns the believer, nothing is more so than this idea. What if at the end of the day I find myself bereft? I think every believer goes through that one. I'm not saying it's right, but what I'm saying is that if we neglect the salvation that has been given to us, one thing is sure, that we will lose a sense of
of the divine assurance that has been given to us. We now find that the assurance that Christ has given to us is rock solid. That cannot be changed. But again, if your faith and my faith has been knocked about, and if we are not an exercise of that faith, which again this whole testimony is speaking about, then one thing is sure, we're going to have plenty of times of sorrow and sadness and bewilderment. Therefore, if that is our station this evening, if we are anxious for our eternal well-being, and maybe some people become more anxious than others, but then Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. What does he mean by that? Well, what he means is, your life in me is secure. So there is nothing that we have to be anxious about. And the only thing that will make us anxious of anything is when we lose fellowship with Christ. If we are not working out our own salvation with fear and with trembling, if we neglect the salvation, if we do not prize it the way that we should, then one thing is sure. We're not going to have that contentment that the Apostle Paul speaks of elsewhere. I've learned, he said, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. What does that mean in practice? Paul is no different to you and I. Paul knew what it was to be wretched in his heart and soul and how far he could be from the kingdom of Christ in his heart and soul, knowing that he had come short of the glory of Christ. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Was that something that stayed with him? No, it wasn't. Because Christ assured him that there was no condemnation to them that are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In the beginning of this epistle, we have these words given to us. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That's our link. It is the Son. It is the Son who has given us life. It is the Son who has promised us that if we trust in Him, we have nothing to fear. I hope and pray that whatever goes through your mind, never my own, never mind my own mind with regard to my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing's sure, we know that it's steadfast, we know that it's sure. But boy, boy, can't we take a knock if we lose sight of the very preciousness of Christ, the preciousness of our salvation, of our redemption. And may God grant unto us that awareness so that we would be found
taking heed to what we hear. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our gracious God, we recognize our many failings and shortcomings. And we pray that thou wouldst help us to overcome the sin that doth so easily beset us. Help us to look unto Jesus at all times. He is our only security, our only refuge, and a very present help in time of need. And this is the beauty of it. Christ hears the prayers of his people. Every prayer, whatever they may be, but he calls upon us to be anxious for nothing, but to plead with him for mercy, for grace, and for favor. We do not deserve anything from thee, but we thank thee that thou hast come over the mountains of our provocations, and thou hast loved us freely. This we ask in his name. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing in Psalm 132, again in the traditional version of the psalm. And we're going to sing from verse 12 to verse 18. My covenant of thy Son will keep, and laws to them made known. Their children then shall also sit forever on thy throne. For God of Zion hath made choice, there he desires to dwell. This is my rest, here still I'll stay, for I do like it well. And singing on to the end of the psalm, Psalm 32 and verse 12, My covenant if thy sons will keep.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with you and with all whom you love.